I do wish I was around last Sunday for our Something Different Sunday. We were in Plymouth at a family wedding last weekend, so I missed it all. I wish I was here, because had I been, I'd have been on that run. I'd, I'd have been there. I might have done twice the distance. I mean, five. I probably would have knocked up a, a ten, to be honest. Um, uh, March... 2020. I can remember very specifically a moment when I was on my own and out of sheer frustration, crying out to God with a, why is this happening and why aren't you doing something about it? Now, I don't know how March 2020 landed with you, but let me just fill in a little backstory. Angela and I had booked ourselves up a holiday in March 2020. It was a special holiday because we were using it to celebrate 35 years of marriage. Let's face it, you've got to treat one another to something special. Already you're thinking, March 2020 rings a bell. And I don't know if you're like me, but in the lead up to a holiday, oh, that, the lead up to the holiday would be relaxing, restful, enjoyable, a bit of winding down so that you feel ready to get the packing done and off on holiday. Except that in the January leading up to our holiday, Angela had a really painful back. The pain wouldn't go away. She ended up having to see a chiropractor. And that pain lasted really right up to March. During those few months, and I'm being very open and honest here, our church finances were under pressure. And we were looking at the figures, we were looking at the budgets, and it was a, a concern, of course it was. You may remember that our very own dear Jean Smith, a member of the church here, well, she was ill, she was in hospital. And in fact, the day before we were due to leave for our holiday, we were going to Southmead Hospital to visit Jean. What happens? Angela trips over and she breaks a couple of bones in her hand. So leaving for our holiday was delayed because we had to be back in Southmead Hospital the day after so that she could have a plaster cast made uh, for her hand. And that very day, our Jean passed away. And we ended up spending time with the family already making funeral arrangements. Even as we were traveling from Bristol on our way to our holiday, we were getting some difficult text messages from our son. Um, our son has learning difficulties, and we had just found him a community house where he would receive support, and it was to be his home. But we were receiving messages to the tune of, I'm leaving, I'll make myself homeless. And we were already on our way 
to the holiday. Oh, and by the way, the holiday was completely curtailed because of the coronavirus. And it just didn't really happen. And it was like a special holiday for a special occasion, lots and lots of things going wrong. And that was the basis of me in sheer frustration, even as a church leader, crying out to God saying, why is this happening? What are you doing about it? Now, let's park that for a moment because I think its relevance will come clear later. As Christians, we love the Bible. The Bible is more than a book. It's God's very word to us. The thing is, the Bible paints an amazing picture of Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself is the thread throughout the whole of the Bible. I mentioned the Bible as a book. It's actually a collection of 66 smaller books. And all through that, the thread, the central theme is Jesus from cover to cover, from beginning to end. And therefore, even hearing that alone, it might not surprise you that as a church, our mission, our vision is what is in front of us every Sunday morning, continually reproducing the life of Jesus. So Jesus is at the very beginning of the Bible. In the first chapter of Genesis, you've got this. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. In God's creation at the very start, there was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all at work together. God is there, Jesus is there, all in relationship. If you then go to the very back of the book, at the very final book of Revelation, the very last chapter, you will read this. This is chapter 22 of Uh, This is verse 16 of chapter 22. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So that in all of the prophecy contained within Revelation for the future times, the Bible concludes with this beautiful image of the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb. God is there. Jesus is there in perfect relationship. And you just see there the connectedness, the relationship, the unity that exists between Jesus and God. Now, I paint that introduction because our reading, which I'm just about to read, covers the story of the cross. Here we are now in the Easter period, and today we're having a look at the cross. And in particular, I feel that we're going to be looking at something that is intimate and personal about the humanity of Jesus and his relationship with God. And we're continuing in the gospel book of Mark, because we've been looking at that since January. So if you want to read with me, it's Mark chapter 14, 
And I'm going to read of an occasion just before the cross, first of all. This is Mark 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And after that, yes, Jesus was arrested. He was tried. He was condemned to death and executed on a cross. I genuinely cannot imagine what pain Jesus went through being nailed to a wooden cross. But we jump right into the story now. This is Mark chapter 15, verse 33. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. So we'll stop our reading at that point. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel privileged and honored that we have something here of the relationship between Jesus and God that is open for all to see. The personal becomes public. Jesus' words spoken to Father God are overheard by others. 
And the Jesus-God relationship is visible. And I feel we are meant to learn something from this relationship. And in fact, the, the title of today's talk is Jesus and dot, 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 which has been the theme we've been running with. Today is Jesus and God. But when I took these two Bible passages, I considered them side by side. And you note, of course, the first reading, we have Jesus anticipating the cross. The second was the actual reality of the cross. But both occasions involved anguish. And what I saw particularly in comparing those two passages side by side were verses 36 of chapter 14 and verse 34 of chapter 15. The first was this, Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And then the second was this, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is what I noted. The first was a request. Take this cup from me. And really, Jesus was talking about the cup of suffering, the cup of anguish, the cup of pain that he was to endure. Take this cup away from me. A request. The second was a question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But let's go a little deeper. The first was a request that was not granted. The second was a question which was not answered. And straight away, just looking at those two verses side by side from our two readings today, I find that Jesus is here with me in all my humanity. Because this connects. This is relevant. Isn't it true to say that life is full of requests that do not get granted and questions which do not get answered? Is that true? Is that true in your experience, in your situation, over your lifetime, that you can remember back to many times when you've asked for things that haven't happened and you've asked questions that were never answered? It just seems to me that this is what life has in the mix. And Jesus stands with every one of us in that because he has been there himself. So my first encouragement for all of us in this is this, when it seems that our prayers go unanswered, then let the very presence of Jesus be your strength, be your comfort, be your help, because Jesus understands 
and he has been there himself. Be reassured that when we feel God isn't responding to our pain, our requests, our questions, then Jesus stands with us in that because he has been in that place himself. Over a week ago, so not this past week, the week before, we had another event together as church. On the Wednesday, we had a day of prayer. Some gathered on Zoom over breakfast to pray together. Some gathered on Zoom at lunchtime to pray together. And in the evening, we gathered in person in our church building. And it was an amazing occasion to be gathered together, because that's what we are as church. We're community. And to pray together. And it was really lovely to get some feedback, some thoughts that people themselves had off the back of that occasion. And what caught me was this. Now, I don't know who wrote these words. So if you're here today, (laughs) I don't know who you are, and I don't know if this is you, but I'm reading your words, okay? Simply this. When church hurts, it really hurts because of all it's supposed to be. If we were just here for personal fulfillment, some, many of us, would simply walk away. So if it feels like an ongoing struggle, that's sort of a beautiful thing. That's hope. That's us not giving up on each other and God not giving up on us. I'd rather have the struggle of hard-made peace than the ease of peacekeeping and exclusionary like-mindedness. And I kind of think that on a separate occasion leading up to my talk today says it, doesn't it? That the struggle and the pain and the anguish comes and there is something in there. I don't know. How often would you say, I think that's kind of a beautiful thing? Okay, Jesus, you've been in that place. Jesus, you know what it's like to make a request and it doesn't get granted. Because that cup of suffering was not taken away from you. You drank that cup of suffering to its bitter dregs. You went to the cross. You suffered on the cross. That request was not granted. You know what that's like, Jesus. And Jesus, you asked a question. You were asking God, why have you forsaken me? But where was the answer to that question? So, Jesus, what is the key that you use to unlock all of this? What is the key to denied requests and unanswered questions? I know I'm dwelling on this a little bit. My talk isn't really about unanswered prayer, but it's here, right in the middle of it all. Even right now, we're running a course. A few people are gathering together on a weekly basis to to do. Um, it's an unanswered prayer course. So next time we run that, you might want to sign up to that because we'll probably be looking at a lot of this. So Jesus. 
does Jesus react like we sometimes do in these situations? Because how many times do we react like this? God has not answered my prayer. I am still suffering. I'm still struggling. I've got no relief of pain. He's not removed my struggle from me. So this is my reaction. I'm just going to walk away from him. I've known that in some people, some people who have had an amazing relationship with God, and they seem to have just walked away from him because of life's experiences. Or do we react like this? If God isn't listening to me, then I'm not going to speak to him. God, that's a very human response, isn't it? You know, you're not listening to me. Well, forget it. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to talk to him. Or is it even this? Well, I don't see an answer to my prayer, so surely, surely God cannot even be real. He's not even there, is he? And I feel that there's something very human about those kinds of responses. But what does Jesus, who was fully human, but also fully God, do? Of course, of course, he doesn't react like that. But what did he do? And I want to point out two things. This is not going to be astounding. You might even say, isn't that a bit obvious? But maybe that's the point. The first thing Jesus did was this. He held on to his relationship with God, with all his might, with all his heart, Even reaffirming that relationship in the middle of the suffering and the pain and the anguish. So when it came to his request, take this cup from me, who is he addressing? Who is he speaking to? It's this, you are my father, Abba, dad, father. If it's possible, take this cup from me. You see, the relationship is there. And Jesus is holding on to that alongside the request, which does not get granted. And when it comes to the cross and Jesus is bleeding and dying, his body broken, and he's kind of saying, where are you, God? Why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? To receive no answer to that, the context is, my God, My God, why have you forsaken me? I almost feel that that's what he's holding on to. Not the question, but that you are my God in all of this. Even in all of this, you are still my God. And that is what I'm going to hold on to. And Jesus holds on to his relationship with Father God, with everything in him. Even though the request does not get granted, the question does not get answered. And I think there's a wonderful thing here for us, that like Jesus, we can present God with our big asks and the hard questions. And like Jesus, we can cry out to God in all our pain and our anguish, in our suffering, and we can do so with honesty and openness But like Jesus, we too can hold on to the relationship we have with Father God. I don't know if that answer disappoints you. 
Because you're probably thinking, Derek, if you're going to talk about unanswered prayer and requests that don't get granted when we're praying and praying and praying, I want more than that, please. Except that's what Jesus did. And I'm thinking it may well be the best answer that we can get to this situation. But Jesus did something else. In all of this, he surrendered himself to God. He utterly gave his life over to Father God. So when he asked for the cup of suffering to be removed, what did Jesus say? However, not what I want, but your will be done. And when Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he gets no answer to that question. How does, how does Jesus follow that up? He follows it up like this. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus asked a question, a hard question. He gets no answer. But he still surrenders himself utterly and completely into the hands of God. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's almost like this, and this is a massive paraphrase. Forgive me if I'm taking advantage here. It's almost like Jesus was saying this, Father, God, Dad, you know all things, and I trust you. You are sovereign. You are good. I'm good in your hands no matter what happens, no matter if the request does not get granted, no matter if the question does not get answered. I am good in your hands. And that is good enough. It's more than good enough. I trust you. I wholly give myself to you. It's all about your purposes and your promises and your plans. And it's as if Jesus is proving the reality that we find. Romans 8:28. We know that in all things, God works for the good those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's as if he's living out the reality of that. He's proving the truth of that. I'm good in God's hands. All things will work together for good. I know that. I believe that. I trust that. I don't know if you know that song, Waymaker. I love these words. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. But Jesus was also practicing his own words when he was teaching his followers how to pray. He said, look, pray like this. Father, you address God as, as Father Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But 
But still remember this. In all of that, how Jesus handled those situations and his absolute trust in Father God. And that's the example to us to follow. That's the, that's the point on, behind this talk. Remember this. Jesus still suffered. And he still cried out to Father God. And I feel that that is saying to you and me, it's okay to cry out in your pain, in your suffering, and in your anguish. It's okay to ask the hard questions of God. And it's okay to, to just be you in all of this. But in your crying out and in those requests and questions, in the context of your suffering, hold on to that relationship you have with Father God. Don't walk away from him. Don't give up on that relationship. Some things are really worth pursuing to the end. Some things are really worth fighting for. And one of those things is your relationship with God, even in the face of intense suffering and difficulty. That is the thing to pursue with everything you have, everything that is in you. That is worth fighting for. And that's what we need to grasp. Oh, that I had three simple points to make and you thought, ah, there's the answer to my suffering. Easy. How did I miss that? Except you're thinking, Derek, what you're saying today, I think I've heard time and time again previously. But I think this is the point. This is what we do. We hold on to God even in the middle of the worst of suffering. Disappointed in that, are you? Believe me, sometimes the speaker comes up to this place thinking, I've not got the rocket science answer to give to these people. What I do have to share is almost simplicity itself. It's what we already knew. It's what we always knew. But sometimes we want more, we look for more, when the simplicity of who God is, a God of love, our relationship with him worth pursuing, friendship with him worth fighting for, that that is the bottom line, that is the response, that is the answer. Is your relationship with God worth pursuing? I want to say yes, but what's your answer to that question? Is your relationship with God worth fighting for, even if you are in severe pain and distress and anguish? I want to say, yes, it is. But what's your answer to that? Some of you I know have faced incredible pain. But you're in church today. You're with us today. 
You are an example to me. You are an inspiration to me. Some of you have been through horrific situations that I will never understand. And you are an example to me. You are an inspiration to me because you're here today in church. And that makes me think you're pursuing God. You're fighting for this. We stand with one another. And Jesus stands with us because he knows what that's like. Vanessa's going to lead us in a time of communion. How do we respond to this? How can we not respond in a better way than to break bread and drink from the cup? Interestingly, a cup again. Jesus' body broken, his blood shed to bring us into relationship with God. And that is worth.